ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dynasty Junkies. We are at episode 95 this week. You've got 96. Andrew Hall here. 96, sorry, 96. <laughs> so thank God Rocky's here. You got Andrew Hall on the mic, and we got Rocky, of course. How are you doing this evening, Rocky? I am doing great, and I, I'm very happy to to have the guests that we have here tonight. This should be a really good show. Yes. Uh, I guess before we get into to talking to him, and I'll let you introduce him once I finish up, we did have a couple show announcements um, we wanted to, to do um, just to start off. Uh, first, uh, Scott Fish has been gracious enough to give the pod a spot in Scott Fishbowl 12 to give away. So we will be doing that. Keep, a, keep an eye out on the Dynasty Junkies Twitter feed, at Dynasty Junkies. Uh, we what we're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna have to earn your way into this spot. You have to. We have our find me a trade segment that we do every week, and we'll be doing it at the end of the show. And what we're gonna do is kind of flip it on you, and we are gonna do one of our rosters. We haven't picked it yet, but we're gonna tweet it out. You gotta find us some trades, and we'll pick the best one, and they'll get a spot in SFB. Uh, we'll announce that winner two weeks from tonight. So we wanted to, to let everybody know that. And then the other thing was we actually have an addition to the pod, not tonight, but uh, coming up. Um, formerly of DLF, Bobby Koch uh, will be joining the show as a, as a semi-regular host. Probably once every, every month or so he'll be joining us. And uh, we just want to let everybody know that he's, he's, he tweeted out recently. He's on the DAP network now. He's going to be doing – he's actually going to be filling in on Trade Addicts this week. So uh, just wanted to get those two pieces of business out of the way. And now we can get into, to, you know, Andrew, in, introduce our, our guy here. Yeah, so I would say my friend because I've been listening to him for so long, but he has no clue who I am. Mr. Christopher <laughs> Harris, how are you, Mr. Harris? I'm great. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. This is a, this is going to be a good one. I was telling my wife earlier, I was like, this is, I've listened to Chris. He's in my ear holes for so long <laughs> telling me that I have a great hat and that I'm awesome for wearing it. Like, I feel like we're just good friends at this point. But again, you've never heard my voice. You've never listened to me. This is such an awkward relationship we have. <laughs> well... It's going around, but I'm pleased that your ear holes have been made <laughs> made relatively sane by my dulcet tones. Dulcet tones, exactly. No, it's uh, it's just it's a pleasure having you on. I, you're one of the people Thanks. that I, I literally go to for film and advice and analysis. I love the way you break it down. I love the music. The everything that you do is just exactly what I love in a podcast. It doesn't get too dry. It doesn't get too bland. It stays on relevant points. I mean, it's just so again, just a huge fan. I'll stop gushing, but again, just just glad to have you on. <laughs> And no, uh, looking forward to talking some <laughs> dynasty with you. I mean, if you want, if you want, we can go on for like a whole hour. Yeah, please do. Yeah, we, hours worth of praise would be great. I'll turn pink. It's a normal <laughs> Thursday, right? That's how we do it. We are live on the DAP network tonight, of course. If you're watching this live on YouTube or on 
uh, Twitch or wherever we go. I don't even know anymore on Twitter and all those things. Feel free to jump in the comments and, and say hello and things like that. Uh, we we have a, a little bit of dynasty talk we want to get into. Obviously, Chris, you're you're you've been around for a long time. You've been doing fantasy for a long time. I know that you've been in all the different leagues that there are. I know you've created some leagues like Large and La Liga and things like that that you're in that are duplicated and you know Im imitated and mimicked and all these things. I guess how long have you been in dynasty specifically, or I guess how do you even define dynasty in your world? Is there something where like keeper is dynasty? I know that's kind of a hot topic sometimes, but right. where's your start in dynasty? I don't know. That's a great question. Like what, what, what's, where's the line between keeper and dynasty? That's, that's a hard line. I don't know. It feels like a, feels like a, a religion debate that we need, don't need to have, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know Scott, Fish, I know Scott yeah. Fish usually says if you have to drop anybody off your roster, even if you keep like 20 guys on there, it's a keeper league. It's just a deep keeper league. So yep. that, that's his definition. So, I mean, certainly I've been in leagues where players have been kept since the 90s. I mean, you know, for a long, long time um, and have all sorts of various leagues that I'm in where you keep all sorts of various combinations of players. But right. uh, the, the one that really feels like I'm I'm having to flex every muscle I have in my fantasy body would be you, you referred to La Liga Lebowski. It started in 2010. When I was still at ESPN, um, it's 26 man rosters with eight man taxi squads and like salary cap hits and player holdouts and franchise tagging. And it's quite obscene. There's a yeah. lot of stuff in it. Um, and, and yeah, there are like hundreds of people who've heard us talking about it actually has its own, um, the Twitter league has its own Twitter handle yeah. at La Liga Lebowski and, uh, and like uh, one of the owners, Colin, who's in our league, runs that account. And a lot of what he does is like answer questions for people who are starting up La Liga clone leagues. Like, wait, how did you do this? And, and we're always like, we have no idea. We have to go back to the rules ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, yeah, I'd say like in, in terms of like whole roster manipulation, having to think about everything years in advance, that felt like the beginning, probably 2010. 2010. Okay. So that's longer than I've been playing Rocky. Is that longer than you've been playing dynasty? Yeah, for sure. I think my first league was 2015 and uh, it was actually a salary contract league. I'm still in, I have nice. won twice since then. So that that's gone well. Um, but yeah, and I, I kind of dug in deep, uh, probably 2018. That's where I've started becoming the junkie that I am today. So yeah. Yeah. I've been playing redraft for years, obviously. And in 2018 was my first, when I finally convinced my home league to try dynasty and, you know, some of those guys, we didn't convert it, but we got like three or four of those guys and we kind of made a dynasty league and I'm happy. And I'm, I've been hooked and addicted ever since. It's just, this is the kind of format I like. I was actually, it's really funny. I was talking with my mom this weekend and she was like, so what is this fantasy football thing that you do? And I'm like, well, it's really hard to explain, you know? And I was like, so we have these players on our roster all year long. Cause she's like, there's no football. How are you playing fantasy football? And so it's just fun hearing, like, you know, trying to explain it to someone who's never heard of it was tricky entertaining and hilarious all at the same time i'm just like just it's mom it's fine don't worry about it i got it um yeah, but no, i was just gonna say I, i've been doing redraft probably since around 2000 and uh, yeah. just to heap a little more praise on you chris uh, before i got into all this dynasty stuff and podcast i was that was i just was obsessed with redraft because it's all i, I knew at that point and right. it was all i we we had a Keith Cummings on this pod, and I had him on another pod I do. And I said to him, I was it was all CBS and ESPN, you and Barry yep. and Heath and Dave Clay. and Jamie. Yep. Yeah. So I just uh just to give you a little more praise, you were yeah, you you were all my guys back in the day. 
Well, thanks. <laughs> and, and writing all those blurbs. I know you and talk about that are, a lot. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, still are. Exactly. Exactly. Well, but, but when I started, started out in this uh, fantasy space, yeah. Well, I, I guess on that note, too, do you prefer Dynasty or Redraft, Chris? Which one do you kind of prefer or lean into? Do you feel like you're more of a Redraft guy or do you like the long term, year long kind of stuff? I don't, I think I don't have an answer to that. And I also don't think they're as different as we like to make them at times. Um, right. I think, you know, people who come, so I played dynasty baseball probably before I played, I know I did. I played dynasty baseball, like when I in high school and, uh, and, and a lot of people who play dynasty football started with dynasty baseball where, boy, you really are thinking four years ahead because Brian Taylor is coming in the Yankees farm system and he's going to be great, except he's not yeah. right. And you, you, you ruin your whole farm system and your uh, fantasy dynasty baseball league, because you're trying to build this team. That's going to be great in eight years and that you just can't do it that way in, in football. But I think a lot of people have that mindset. And so this year becomes less important. Like I remember still being at ESPN and being asked to do dynasty ranks and ranking Tom Brady really high and people saying he shouldn't even be ranked. This right. is seven yeah. years ago, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Um, because because it doesn't matter. Because this year doesn't matter, right? And I think the dynasty world has gotten smarter. If there is yes. a dynasty world, maybe my point is that they're you know we're we're drawing a distinction that maybe doesn't matter that much. But um, you know, veteran player winning this this year is the most important year. I want to win this year. That's great. Like three exactly. years from now, maybe I'll win, but everybody will get hurt, and I don't know what's going to happen. The NFL just changes so much from year to year that maybe I somewhat have a hard time in my mind saying which I like better only because it feels like they flex very similar muscles. It's, I think the reason dynasty appeals to me is less about planning for the future and more about scarcity of resources. You know, there's just, there's just no players to, if you mess it up, then everybody's going to have all the guys you'd rather have. And there's no one to draft. Good luck in the free agent auction when there's eight guys. Um, So, so I'll, I I think probably that part is really cool, but it's also fun to to if you're in a competitive league where everybody gets it in a redraft and everybody's available, so it's not about you know the luck that you've had three years ago and or whatever. I I would I would have a hard time. I I, I see the benefit of both, even though they're probably more similar than we give them credit for. And it's such and, a good PC answer. I love that. That's exactly <laughs> right too. I'm right there with you. I was just gonna say that there's definitely still a, a large faction out there that is way too much valuing the future and the, the right. vaulting up the young guys before they've actually done anything. So I'd like to hear you say that. And to your point too, like once we get into September, it, it, it dynasty almost becomes redrafted. It's exactly it, the same. Yeah. Most of the teams, unless you're really, really bad, aren't even worrying about, you know, the, the long-term ramifications of anything for four months. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think, I honestly think to give, to give some folks credit, it's gotten better. Like yeah, I, yeah. I have more, uh, like rational conversations with supposed dynasty specialists mm-hmm. where they're like, I kind of want Brady, you know, like I'd like to win this year. That would be great. You know? Uh, oh, that's Rocky whatever. in a nutshell. Rocky yeah. is team old QB. Like he's the guy in yeah. dynasty that's, yeah. that takes all the old quarterbacks because they're at a discount, you know? Right. Like nobody yeah. values them appropriately. And Rocky's like, I'll take Brady. I'll take Kirk cousins. I'll take Derek Carr. Like, I don't why not? Right. And people yeah. don't believe Kirk cousins is a good quarterback. Yet he is. But- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's no, the tangent we, we, we right don't now. need to go down that road many times before I, i'll say it this way too like our uh our dap network associate russ always says this is the non-point scoring season that's all like there's point scoring season which is redraft and then there's non-point scoring season which is dynasty but there when you get into point scoring season it's all the same it's all, we're all yeah. playing the same game and the week right. to week the lineups the start sits the transactions the trades all that i mean eventually you at, at some point in the season 
you start to focus more on rebuild versus contender and those kind of sure. questions come up in week 10, 11, whatever. But I mean, from, I mean, from week one to week eight, you'll probably have everybody playing the same game, which is what I love right. about this because even the diehard redrafters are like, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also I think that's another benefit of, of some form of keeper system, whether you call it dynasty or not, because I mean, it can be hard. I'm in a hell of a lot of leagues, you know, I mean, I did that crazy experts league, yeah. uh, the hall of fantasy league last year. And there wasn't one trade because everybody in it is too busy and has a hundred leagues and there, and there's no reason to really make it, you know, I guess in theory you can make it, but it's not keeper. Um, and, and so like, Whereas in some redraft leagues, you just it's hard to get movement. There's a natural at you're right, as the season goes along, there's just sort of a natural impulse towards all right, you're out of it and you're not, you're you're smart deal mates. See if you can make something happen. Yep. And that's why I like about it the most is the trading. And it, honestly, like that was my favorite part of redraft. And I was the guy in my redraft league for you know 20 years now. I was a guy that was like sending offers every day and who like, dude, I I'm at a dance recital for my daughter. It's a Tuesday. Calm down, dude. I'm like, but it's Tuesday in September. Why aren't we trading? You know? So then I found dynasty. I'm like, you're saying I can trade in March. I can right. trade in June. Like it opens me up to the whole year. Like, so that, that was that really was, what got me hooked. That was me too, Andrew, in my redraft yeah. league. I, I was in that for, I've been in the same one for since about, I think just after 2000, 2003 or something like that. And I was always the guy making, uh, you know, 10 trades during the year. Like there'd be like 12 trades in the league and 10 of them would be me. So exactly. uh, that's, that's, I think that is a big pull for me to dynasty as well. It's just like Chris said, the scarcity just makes it so that you, you know, if you want to get better, a lot of times you have to trade. So. Well, and I guess, Chris, do you like trading or drafting more? I'm definitely a trader. I'm, I, I would much rather take over an orphan and trade my way oh. to victory than draft. Do you prefer the drafting aspect of either Dynasty or Redraft, but do you prefer the drafting and the values there or the trading afterwards? I don't even think of them as the same thing. I, there are so many leagues I'm in where no trades happen, where, I mean, I'm in them to be nice to someone else and you have to manage the rosters and you have to add and drop because you have to not like embarrass yourself. They might be public, but you just not, nobody's trading so many leagues with no trades. So the, the couple that I commission um, large in La Liga, they have a fair amount of trading. I would say probably though, not as much as you might think uh, a lot of people, super gun shy, a lot of people who are in leagues with, with people who do this for a living and are like, right. I can't trade with you. You're going to rip me off. You know, well, that's kind of what I was <laughs> going to ask. I know I get that a lot in some of my leagues where I'm in with, you know, people who don't create content at all. And they always feel like I'm trying to one up them or that I know right. something that they don't. So I was going right. to ask you that too. Like, as you get more into the industry and have more of those leagues, does it feel like trading kind of dries up because everybody's like holding their cards so close to the vest. They don't want to let any information out. They don't want oh, to lose a trade. Is it like, I don't, just don't I don't think that's right. I don't think that's <clears> why they're not trading in the industry leagues. The industry, I, I mean, I'm further outside the industry probably now than I used to be. I don't know. Like I can't get in any more inside than I am right now doing what I'm doing. Let's put it that way. Right. So I'm not like progressing for deeper in, if anything, I, you know, might be, who knows aging out, but, um, but I, but like those, the reason you're not trading in the CBS leagues and I'm in like two of them, one charity league, mm -hmm. one like long time, uh, super deep IDP league, uh, it's just because everybody's too busy and the yeah. most you can do is do waivers and stuff like that. The, the home leagues I'm in, I'm I've narrowed that down. I'm really only in the two that I, that I commission and uh, I get, I get, you're ripping me off. You do this for a living. I'm only thinking about it today. I get that a fair amount. Uh, so like, and there's aren't as many trades as you'd think. I, I probably wind up between those two leagues. I wound up doing, four trades a year probably and so i would have to say therefore i, pr I prefer the drafting, drafting. You know, because there's just not as yeah. many trading but like trades are fun too 
Trades yeah, are just what? tough. Trades are tough to talk. We don't, I don't talk about, you know, I don't talk about trades oh, all yeah. on the show. Like yep. trades are just tough to talk about. It's tough content because what's the, Cousin Josh isn't here to say it, but what's the one thing everybody says when you suggest a trade? Not, Not in my, my league. league. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, so like, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about. It's, it's hard to, to like say that that was a fair trade. Like, I don't know. Well, I'll let you know at the end right. of the year whether it's a fair trade, you know? Right. So, well, I think that's something we talk about a lot on this show and, and a lot of, a lot of other shows. I know that Rocky's on and other, I mean, in dynasty too, it's becoming kind of this, you know, trades are, are something we like to talk about, but you have to be generic and specific at the same time, which is really hard to do. Um, we do a segment, which we'll be doing later. Find me a trade where we take a listener's league and actually find them a trade in their league. So it's, and honestly, like when I first heard about that, when I first came on this show a couple of years ago, before I was a host, I was like, it's almost the opposite of what Chris Harris says. Like, no, we're literally going to find you a trade in your league. Like, no, 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 it is in your league. In your league, like, yeah. Admit your league and we'll find a trade that we would do in your league, right? right. Uh, it's, it's the other end. Um, but really a lot of that is just to show how we value players. That's all yeah. trades are, is like, I value player A this way, you value player A this way, and we disagree and that's fine. And here's where we can kind of find an agreement on the other part of the valuation. So, I mean, trading is tough. It does take some time. It does take some effort. We talked about this uh, last week with John Bosch. Uh, me, Scott, and John had some interesting talks about trading. Bosch is a fan of just sending your best offer right out of the gate. And I'm like, no, I'm spamming the league with the crappiest, quickest. Oh, yeah. Andrew's like, in favor of, of just sending bad offers. I, I meant to mention that to earlier. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I'm gone for a week and you're you're talking about sending out crappy offers. Now, I know I'm not you sending crappy offers. That's where I got misconstrued. <laughs> I'm sending offers that are not my best spot. Like I'm, I'm leaving a little room to be trimmed. Right. And the thought behind that is it's just quicker for me to send a bunch of offers that are about in the same range. Like here, here's something to start with. And if they don't respond, they weren't interested. That's fine. I move on. But why am I going to spend so much time on a trade and the other guy's like, Shh, that's way off. Like, I just, I don't know. Everybody has their own bugger, but we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, again no, here. I just wanted to, yeah. But I just wanted to check. <laughs> yeah, just to check. A little. Um, but again, just kind of hitting some of this, because I know a lot of your content, you, you take a break from right about now. I think you had your last episode for the summer, right? I have, yeah. I'll be back July 5th. July 5th. Okay, so you take off these two months to kind of write and do some of the other stuff outside of fantasy. So I guess, and, and this may not be a fair question, because I would still consider you a year-round podcast, but do you consider yourself more redraft or dynasty? I mean, I feel like you do a lot more during the season, but like you said, that's all the same anyway. So I guess, do you consider your podcast and, and the Harris Football Podcast more redraft or is it dynasty, but without being dynasty? I don't know how to answer the question. I just don't exactly. think there's a difference. I, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I think calling, a, you guys are calling your podcast dynasty, but there's so, I mean, you're just talking about football, I think. Yep. I, I don't know. Like I'm I, a fan of that. Yeah. yeah Do you change valuations of players at all? I know we're, we're going to talk about your rankings a little bit and you can kind of bring those up when you need to, but I mean, do you change your rankings drastically? We were talking about it earlier with the age stuff and it doesn't sound like you're much of an ageist. Like, do you really get kind of hung up on age and have a dynasty ranking that's very different from your yearly redraft or is it all pretty much the same? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer it. Like <laughs> that's fine. It, that's fine. The general questions like that. It depends on the guy. I mean, I, I think, of course, I'm looking at whether a running back is 22 or 28. It matters. So I'm not, it's not going to be exactly the same. Zeke Elliott this year is going to have a pretty significant difference between his redraft rank and his dynasty rank. I think that's warranted because sure. there, there's some X percent chance that Zeke was hurt last year. Everything they said was true. There's, you know, there's a, 
who know, you know, like there, there's an X percent chance he bounces back and has one more good year. But I think we mostly suspect it's one more good year. Just one. And, yeah. Right. And, and like that matters for dynasty, even though I would like to win this year. And if I luck into Zeke in the good year, it, it matters and he shouldn't be not ranked, you know, but, but there, but it does feel like it's, you know, maybe he's, he's not like, He's not on the edge of 30, so maybe he's not the best example, but like it's getting there for some. But I but I but I have to say that's much more for me the exception than the rule. So it's right. hard for me to go, oh yeah, no, definitely. You if you looked at my redraft ranks and you looked at my <laughs> dynasty ranks, oh, you would see like complete madness, like a complete shuffle. It would it would look like it was, you know, random number generator like definitely not you're going to see right. a pattern of what players i think are better than what players and in and trying to factor in his situation as much as we can but i think people make a mistake by going you know this mediocre running back just had you know one year of not playing and i think he's going to be the future tampa bay running back and therefore he should be rated way ahead of saquon barkley you know <laughs> like right. i for dynasty for not dynasty i think that's a big mistake you don't know what that guy can do and certainly i do see some of that um so i i, I bet you you would find more linearity between my dynasty and and standard ranks than a lot of people Re well, I, know real, I was Go just ahead, gonna Randy. say real quick and kind of to maybe narrow to a specific player i the ways you were talking the thought went through my head like how a lot of times in Dynasty, uh, on, on these kind of podcasts and, and uh, on Twitter and stuff, they we are ranking guys that haven't really done anything super high, like young guys. I just like, like, ask you. That's what I was, I was thinking, like, like Brees Hall is like already RB8 per DLF's uh, Dynasty <laughs> rankings. So, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I see Chris is not agree with that. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do not agree with that. Correct. Yeah. That's that's so that's, that's and Don't draft or, him. <laughs> or like a, or like a, a Javante. Javante is like RB like four at this point, I think, or something in dynasty right. rankings. Is it, I mean, would you? He, he did something last year. He he did more oh, yeah. than Brees Hall has done in the league. So right, but, uh, yeah, that one makes me like break down laughing a little less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. way too high because there's so much undecided. There's so much that we don't know, and this year counts. And so. Okay, every single running back is a knee injury waiting to happen. Cool. But if they don't injure their knees, I'm pretty sure this year Nick Chubb's going to have a better year than Jonathan Williams. I might be wrong, but I think he will this year. And so I'm just, he gets that coefficient in front of his overall career ranking that's simply going to give him a higher overall rank because to me, this year matters more than any other year. Um, but I don't find it insane to say that Javante Williams should be ranked. Uh, high and more higher than he sh than maybe even in redraft leagues. Like I don't have in redraft, I don't have Javante as a top as a first round pick. Right. Um, but I don't find it totally insane if someone says that he is because he laid down some really good tape. You know, I talked about it yep. a lot on the, on my show, and mm -hmm. he was really really good. And so I I go, uh, you know, if somebody has him RB nine, I don't. It's a mess at that point anyway. So sure, you want to take the shot. I see the logic. He's a good player. It's cool. Um, for somebody who's never played in the league to say he's a top 10 running back for, for you're drafting the entire league is a completely different kettle of fish. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to ask. Like, where do you put, I mean, I know for the most part, I don't think you really do a lot of, you kind of go into your silo, you go into your barn, you go into your, your yacht and you kind of figure out, Hey, you know, me and the possum got to figure this out. And it's like, you come out and then you show your rankings. So you don't really absorb rankings from others and then kind of fiddle. No, I like that you I do laughed. your own process. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, and I think that's the way to do it. Right. But then in that case, where do you generally kind of, I would think you generally put rank rookies lower than the consensus, right? Like you're, if a, 
I mean, again, using Brees Hall as RB8, I'm guessing you put him lower than that, like 10, 12, 14. Like, where do you have Brees Hall as an example, maybe? But then also, like, how often do you find that you're way off from consensus on rookies? I don't know. You tell me how many rookies have, like, dramatically overperformed where they've been ranked coming in. I'm waiting. Very few. There might be one, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it gets to be kind of messy because, like, you know, we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what workload. Right. It's all speculation. I mean, right. it's all potential energy instead of kinetic energy. We don't have a Right. And, 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 like, to some degree does it matter where i have reese hall ranked among all the veteran running backs it matters for a startup dynasty league right. other than that we're doing rookie drafts mostly and so it matters yeah. where they are ranked relative to each other i do have reese hall ranked number one um for i don't feel great about it i don't really think there is a pure one in this yeah. in, in this group this year but um like i'm cool i'm cool to take reese hall one that's probably what i would do if i had the one um so so like it, you know, does it matter that much if we're hung up on on where the rookies should slot in? I, I think it's probably good policy if you're in a startup dynasty league in which everyone is simply going to some consensus rank somewhere and um, drafting based off those lists. Fine. I'm just going to stay away from the rookie running backs because yeah. they're all going to be overvalued. It's all it's going to be Edwards Elair symptoms. You know, it's going to be. <laughs> Uh, oh. it's, it's, it's just the unseen that people fall in love with the unseen. Like Najee Harris was good last year. And for me, he was the one in, in rookie drafts. Um, he was, he was performed very well for fantasy. And I don't think we hold like a little erratic performance at the end of the year as any kind of thing against him. Everybody does that. It's cool. He was, he was very good. Um, mm -hmm. I still don't think I would have taken him over, you know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have taken him six among running backs. Uh, so I guess I, I think just everybody's starting up, but honestly, you just realize there's irrational exuberance about things people don't know about yet. They're just the un unknown thing. The player that hasn't played yet is the shiny new object that people, the rankers can't pry, shy away from. They can't, they can't make themselves do it. So they just, they go crazy. Um, and so great. I draft the, the, the second year guy or the third year guy. No, I'm right there with you. And I think too, a lot of times in dynasty, especially in startups, I find myself missing on almost every rookie when I do a startup for that exact reason. I'm like, eh, give me the known commodity. You know, give me the guy that I know, like Dalvin Cook. I'll take Dalvin Cook over Brees Hall. I mean, I, I think that's a fair statement. But then there are others out, you know, kind of go, I'll definitely take Brees Hall. He's going to be around for six years. He's going to be on my team forever. Listen, I trade too many times. Nobody's on my team forever. Like I, you know, <laughs> win now. And if I don't win now, I'm winning next year. I don't, I don't plan three, four, five years out, you know, like, I know there was somebody in my home league when Pat Mahomes signed that 10 year contract. He goes, great. I got Pat Mahomes for 10 years. And I literally I said to my buddy, I was sitting next to him when he, when he put that in the group DM and I'm like, I'm going to get Pat Mahomes off of him. Like I guarantee I'm going to get him. Like, I'm just, I'm going to go. That's my goal now, you know, because like, he's not going to last. It never does. You know, and if a league even lasts that long, I mean, you're in a couple of these leagues, like you mentioned, you know, that have been in for a long time, 10, 15 years or whatever. But that's the, again, that's the exception and not the rule too. There's a lot of leagues that don't make it that long just by the nature of humanity. I mean, there's so many things going on, so much happening. Like, you got to win. If you're not trying to win now, I don't quite get what you're doing, right? If you're if you're immediately drafting to rebuild, I guess you're just donating your fee for that first year. It seems like a bad way to play, but go for it, right? Not yeah, sure. I'm always playing to to win now and startups, pretty much. Uh, occasionally, I, I'm in a ton of leagues, Chris. So occasionally, I've just for fun done it the other way. But right, uh, and, and I had the same issue where like. I've done startups before the rookie draft and yeah. and there'll be picks in there and the picks will go way higher than they should. And yeah. I, I almost never end up with the rookie picks. Yep. Yeah. And it depends I, on who you're playing with too. Yeah. Right. And I think, yeah, 
the 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 if there's a dynasty industry separate from from redraft industry and they're probably you know there's you guys are calling yourself a dynasty show like there certainly is you know even though we think a lot of the content overlaps by mm-hmm. the by the nature of what people are calling themselves and the topics that they tend to focus on there is kind of a done and i think if the people in your startup league are are all you know they're homed in on the d- dynasty ranks the dot they're probably going to overvalue rookies and you you just you don't need to have them you just don't I, you yeah. know the notion that like man how many rookie running backs have come in with hype and every one of them i feel like, like i mean yeah, even like and, jonathan taylor deandre swift like some of those guys that were supposed to be amazing still were yeah. you know fringe rb1s they weren't like dominant you know what i mean like right. had to take an and injury the, to cmc to even get up there i mean like some right. of that stuff just yeah, so fluky. and right and the, and like it's all injury right but the point is like i if 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 uh, Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall both get hurt this year, they both have the exact same knee injury, and there's a prospect of had. Okay, now they're on my dynasty team, and I don't know what's going to happen. Dalvin Cook has a plateau that he could return to. I still don't know what Bryce Hall is. So well, now you're telling me I go through another year of not knowing exactly. How, you know, I, it's I, like ETN. Like, I was just going to say yeah, ETN. Like, ETN yeah. the same thing. like I was kind <laughs> yeah. of out on ETN, and then he hurt himself, and I was even more out if that was possible. Yeah. And then obviously he's coming back this year, but I have a lot of people that I'm interacting with and things that are like, you know, he's going to be a an RB1, RB2, and I'm just like, I, we have no evidence of that. We have no evidence. Andy's coming off an injury. Like, so much speculation. It's a little bit crazy. I just, yeah, so I'm right there with you. I would much rather take a risk on a veteran, you know, not getting hurt again. Nobody wants that risk. But it's like, I'd much rather take a risk on a player I've at least seen on the field. And right. then can you know, understand if it goes wrong. I'm like, eh, I've tried my best. Um, I guess I want to get into some of these. We did have a couple listener questions. They weren't very, you know, I don't know if you can hear that. It is lightning and thundering here really badly. I heard thunder, yeah. I heard that, yeah. That was way louder than I thought it was going to be. Um, (laughs) So if you're listening at home, you're okay. I am about to die. Uh, But no, we're we're all right. Um, But no, there were a couple listener questions I wanted to get into just before we did the find me a trade. But uh, Pulsar, who, Greg, one of our friends of the show, I'm in a league or two, I think, with him now. Uh, Where are you at on James Cook in rookie drafts? I know it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a contentious point, but there's a lot of people that, you know, have Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, huge gap. And then the next batch of five are all kind of slushed in there together. I mean, where do you have James Cook? And then he seems to have become the most divisive rookie in terms of player valuations. I would kind of agree with that, too. And that's again, where are you at with James Cook in general in rookie drafts? So let's I mean, Andrew, you know this, but I'll just say it for your audience. Like, I don't want to palm myself off as a college scout. I'm just not. I I'm. We on aren't either, show. by the way. We had Waldman yeah. on the same as you. Like right. we have the exactly. experts to tell us what we think. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, like, I, I'm I'm trying to synthesize what a, what several folks came on my show and told me, and the and the few draft guides that they send me, and I'm very uh, eagerly um, consuming their content, but I'm really not smart enough about these guys yet to know for sure. And so, I I want to preface by saying James Cook could, could, could turn out to be Alvin Kamara. It's it's possible, but I I think he's much more like. The, the the 9 10 11 12 pick than he is the three sure. pick or the five yeah. pick or whatever um he's he's fine as a first round pick because well frankly i think it's you know i don't love you know i don't love this but the landing spot is hard to deny like being linked at the hip with josh allen for a few years is really valuable and you you know i the way i approach fantasy is that i don't actually say that about that many situations i i go okay kansas city yeah okay that's gonna be pretty good uh buffalo yeah i think that's that's probably gonna be pretty good and then of course i have a sliding scale and it's not like 
I ignore situation for everybody else, but I'm really trying not to get blinded by situation because teams do change so much from year to year. Cook is landing on one of those teams where I just am not that worried about it. There's there's a real opportunity there for, ha- for him to have real upside. But from what most of the folks who talk to me, like I don't think Brett Coleman, I think Brett Coleman likes Zamir White more. I think he said yeah. it on my show. Like, I don't even know that we have for sure the right Georgia running back here. Right. Um, they're different. It, it's he's he's maybe gonna be more of a like a space player. It doesn't seem like he's that much like his brother. He's really not gonna, you know, be that. Uh, great vision, shifty, great acceleration, be able to run between the tackles 15 times a game. Like, I don't think that's Cook, but that might be wrong. Um, so so I, I come down on the side of I'm valuing the situation. I'm a little scared that people are just ignoring what the player was and that he, you know, was kind of a complimentary player even in college. So uh, that's why I get so many of those wide receivers between the top two running backs and him. I'm, I'm probably, if I'm sitting there at five, I don't think I'm thinking about him. No, and it's too early. And, and that's my thing with Cook. I, I, I am not a college scout either, Chris. But um, I do actually, I, I tried to watch the guys, you know, cut-ups and things like that on, on different sites that I subscribe to and just to get a feel for them. And, and yeah, I mean, he definitely is more of a complimentary player. He's not a great in-between-the-tackles runner. And I, it feels sort of, to me, like it's a bit of a lesser version of the Clyde Edwards Alaire situation where, you know, he got the good landing spot. He got the good draft capital, but he really wasn't that great of a running back. I mean, he was nice, but he, he nothing special. And, and it kind of feels like he's maybe getting pushed up a little because of those two things. And I just, I, I'm not really aware of them. I mean, at the end of the first, I, I'm not taking probably even there. I like a lot of the receivers better than him. Um, but but I can see it there because this class is just such a mess, but yeah. in some yeah. ways, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. In, in a good class, I don't even think we're thinking about him as a first round pick. Well, in yeah. a good class, he probably doesn't land on the bills. You know, yeah. they, take True. Some, they take that's a better probably player true. probably. <laughs> well, he, he was targeted in the second round of the NFL draft. That's not bad. I mean, that's a good thing. That's where the, you sure. know, he got good draft capital, great landing spot. He's not a terrible talent. I mean, he's, right. I mean, not that CEH was terrible. Like, CH came up out of nowhere. It was a last, you know, first round pick, like targeted by Mahomes. There was all this hype and everything about it and became the RB1. I mean, I agree with you. It's a similar vein, but going from RB5 to RB1 is very different from RB4 to RB3 in a down class. You know what I mean? Like it was always going to be, you know, like the infinite sadness of RB2s in this class. Like <laughs> Part of it to small. me is he wasn't even RB4 for me, well, but I'm sure he was for a lot of people. I'm kind of using like an average here, right? I mean, like he wasn't right. RB4 no, I get for it. a I'm lot saying of people, that, yeah. but yeah. And I'm thinking even then, like, even if he was your RB6 and now he's your RB5, like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that leap isn't nearly as much as we saw with CEH. Right, and I said it's a lesser Startup drafts yeah. and all that. I mean, like, there are people that were, like, you know, paying the world for him. And I'm just like, well, that seems like a bad idea. I don't see that happening at all this year with Cook. So I, I do think yeah. he's he's got potential. He's got a lot of that upside. But I'm right there with you, Chris. He's a back end of the first at the most. And I love when people are like, he's not a first-round pick. And I'm like, there's only really four or five guys I consider first-round picks this year. The rest of it is like that big infinite flat circle of time where it's like, you know, go pick your go pick your guy. You know, go with your gut. If you like Kenny Pickett at 106, go for it. I don't care. You know, like Superflex even, go for it. Like knock yourself out with Malik Willis in the first. I, it, It's literally we're all just throwing our – the guy at the desk throwing papers in the air. Like I have no idea what to do this year. So, I mean, that makes this really fun. If you're starting Dynasty this year, it's not always like this. Let me just put it like it's, yeah, this is not yeah. like there are the one pick is there. very valuable usually. Yeah. You'll <laughs> yeah. enjoy next year if you're just starting yeah. to do this. Yeah, year. and you'll be, be able to trade back. There will, there will be people interested in your picks. Next year will be much more fun. So just hang tight. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're brand new, 
just it's not always like this. Um, <laughs> the next question I want to get into is from the fantasy ladder. Uh, he came in and he said, regarding post type sleepers like Terrace Marshall Jr. and Trey Sermon, at what point do you decide to give up on a player becoming a thing? I learned from holding John Ross too long. I'm curious what your process is for this. Where are you at with that post type sleeper? Is there is there a line? Well, do you have an actual thing or is it kind of situational? Yeah, there's no there's no rules. Yeah. There's no rules for any of this. We're, we always just talk about players. Um, and the fact is, you know, I'm more worried about Trey Sermon than I am about Terrace Marshall. It feels like the 49ers told me a lot more about what they think about Trey Sermon than the Panthers told me what they think about Terrace Marshall. Um, so I don't I don't think there's a rule that you can follow. Unfortunately, I think that's just you know it's gonna it's always case by case. And and then also there just isn't tons of before a young player hits, there often aren't really great indications that they're going to hit. Um, I'll tell you when the 49ers, you know, spent the higher pick on sermon and then let some other dude have the job and then go out and spend another early, relatively early, early round pick on another running back. It makes me go, I mean, I don't know how much they like Trey sermon, but we'll, we'll find, I guess we're going to find out. I would love to see him go to a different team at this point, Same. but yeah. Um, but, I, but I also don't want to blame the 49ers. There, there's almost certainly something about the player as a dude that is not going well there. And that, that does seem to be something that's happened before Dante Pettis comes to mind where we're all like, man, when he was on the field, he, he actually looked really good. I, that one year, two years ago, I was really excited about him and that he just couldn't get on the field because of stuff. And now we know like he went to another team and still just as a guy, wasn't an NFL player, didn't was a square peg that wasn't ever going to fit. It's possible that, that sermon, it's possible that somewhere else he sort of would get it. But I, I, I thought when I saw sermon on the field, I thought he looked good when they were forcing yeah. him using him. I like, I did film review on him, like on the YouTube channel and, and actually really kind of liked what he looked like. So I have a, I think this is a between the heads thing between the ears thing with him. And, and it's probably not never going to happen, but well, the doghouse thing. Here. Once you're in the doghouse, sometimes it's hard to get out of it. So you're going to have to yeah. change scenery, right? Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if he gets to a new place, maybe that'll work. I have the same yeah, thought you, with, yeah. with like Nikhil I, Harry's in the same boat for me. Like one of those guys. Like I drafted yeah. him first overall in the league, right? <laughs> but I'm saying like I don't think it's the same situation. I'm saying he's one of those post type sleepers that I'm cutting bait on, right? Where it's like it just didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like we were not that we were wrong in evaluation, um, but like it's the stuff like you said. It's the between the ears with him that you can't really get a grade on. No, I'm, a, I'm a lot out. more comfortable. Uh, I'm a lot more comfortable saying goodbye to Nikhil Harry than I am to trade. It's been <laughs> yeah, you're a Patriots years. fan, so <laughs> I'm a Patriot fan. But it, it's it's been multiple years, and we've so we've got to see him play across multiple quarterback administrations and schemes, and he's just bad. I don't think it's between the ears. He's a bad player. He's slow, yeah. and he doesn't. He can't run routes. He's big. Yeah. That's all he is. He basically is a tight end. He he was like. He was the tell for the Patriots during their winning streak. When he was in, it was a running play. It's not good for a first round receiver. Want, especially in fantasy. My God, there's nothing worse about that. Like, oh. So and then as far as Terrace Marshall goes, you know, I think we, you know, I, I'm not ready to, compl I was never as high on any as him coming in. He just didn't wound up not being one of the guys that in the course of my asking all my, my um, NFL draft friends, what they thought of him that he, he never really like stood out. And I kind of got blindsided by people asking me in August. So why are you so low on Terrace Marshall? And of course I go, I am. And I don't, I don't really know because I'm not comparing it to um, consensus or anything. Uh, so, so the fact, like, I don't know, I still don't really know what he can do. I have no idea. We didn't really ever see him play, you know, got concussed right away and just sort of wasn't, wasn't there. Um, I would be, I'd be much more likely in the case. I think those are good, good, litmus test to, to show that there's just different rules for different um 
for different situations. Like it's easy to say, okay, a, a kid got hurt and never like seemed he was on the Panthers bad side. And they kind of still do have a need for a big slot that, that that would work if he could play. So I wouldn't want to cut bait on him just despite the fact that they need a quarterback and they probably are going to get one at some point in the future. Um, whereas with Trey Sermon, if I needed the roster spot, I, I don't love it, but I'd be much likelier to give up on him. Well, with you uh, saying it's situational, I had one more guy from last year, a second year player. I wanted to throw at you to see what you think. Not quite as uh, bad production wise as these two, but didn't really hit uh, year one. Uh, Rondale Moore was a guy that a right. lot of people were pretty high on. I mean, he, he was going, he wasn't super high in the drafts last year. I would say probably early second kind of round, but a lot of people had high hopes for him. So I'm curious what you think of him going forward. And maybe to your point about Sermon and, and the draft, and maybe them bringing in Marquise Brown is telling us something too. Except for they need four wides, right? They just That's need, true. They need that four system, wides yeah. on every, essentially every single play. So, uh, and they lost I think, Kirk. Right. And I think Marquise like Brown is a lot doing, is a lot about right and no Hopkins. I think he's a lot about uh Kyler Murray. I think he's a lot about I know this guy, I played with this guy, like let's this is my last best chance, you know, as a coach to he you know, after after the meltdown last year, yet another one for Cliff Kingsbury and the playoff meltdown. Like mm-hmm. there's a real chance that if doesn't if they can't figure it out, this is it. Um and so like what did I think of more as a player? I thought he was good thought he was pretty good for a rookie um but they really did not trust him as a route runner like it was a it was his average depth of target when they started throwing it to him was really short it was a lot of just get him the ball in space let him make a play as an athlete and he wasn't really ever relied upon they relied on aj green a lot more to run routes and to be open against man coverage than they ever did rondale Moore, which is damning because aj brown can't really do that i mean aj green can't really do that anymore um so like he got his toes wet. Uh, he'll play a ton. He, and like you said, with Hopkins' suspension, he'll play a ton, ton. Like there's really a chance there for him to go. So I, I'm not down on him. I think you hang. I don't think you certainly you're not going to get rid of him. Yeah, definitely. Ha- having upsetting. having a, you know, the, the real problem with that offense is just can you get enough to congeal around one, one guy? And that one guy's probably Hopkins when he's there. And then can we get him? anybody else to be consistent because you remember what it was like last year it was just the guy that that guy now kirk gets one now ronda moore got one yay it's finally oh crap aj brown did uh, aj green who i keep messing up his name yeah <laughs> um like that's the real question can they ever have more than one guy and and Ertz being there and they drafted tight end like can they ever get more than one guy startable but i definitely think more is very rosterable and well, we're, we're comfortable in a hold Question in the chat, Ren, Ren Piper here, who's been paying attention, appreciate that. He says, McBride better than more in 2022? I'm not sure I'd do that in 2022, but I mean, <laughs> McBride's pretty talented. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I don't know enough about t- tight ends are just a lost cause in, in their first years. I just think it's for like, write it off. So I would say definitely not for this. Hello, yeah. Ren, by the way. I, Ren, Ren's a listener of my show. Yeah. Um, like, I would I would say no way, and then I would say we'll find out in a couple of years whether the tight end can play. It's just not even a fair test. Like, right. we had we had real hype around the Saints taking a tight end and the Bears taking a tight end, and then immediately they evaporated because they didn't do anything as rookies, and then they didn't really do anything as second year players either. And you go, yeah, it still doesn't matter. It's just right. an impossible freaking position to learn. Yes. So those guys still could be like those freak athlete break. I think the Troutman kid is probably more likely to break out, but just because as a player, but um, 
I just don't I, I, like talk to me in year three. I'm not going to worry about a young tight end until then. It's just so hard to learn. You're never going to believe this, Chris, but that was the exact right answer. Well done. All of that. Every single word was the exact. I don't know how you nailed it, but that was perfect. Exactly the right answer. Uh, one last question before we get to our last find me a trade segment. And this one isn't as much fantasy related, but I do think it's a good question. I know you talk about writing a lot. Our friend oh. of the show, Cal, is talking about what was the most surprising challenge about writing your book that most people wouldn't think about? I know you've written a few books now. Are you I writing have. a book right now? Are you in, I, I think am. you're still in the middle of that long one you were talking about, right? So like, what's yeah. the most challenging thing or the surprisingest, most surprising challenge of writing a book? Surprising challenge. I've never written a book. So I know I'm guessing Cal hasn't either, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, yeah, yeah. what would you, as someone who's done it a couple times where you're like, right. What's the, so this is the fifth, like, oh. this will be the fifth. Um, and they're, and they're fiction, they're novels. They're not about, well, the first one's about football. So they're, the first one was about football, but the, you know, it's about, it's fiction. I, I have this place. I'm in Amherst mass right now. I have this place because I went to, get a master's degree in creative writing so like i have the fiction side of me so it's not like i'm writing a non-fiction book it's a really different world yeah i can't really speak about it. i've never written a non-fiction book i've never tried to have a publisher publish a non-fiction books so i don't know well um, your almanac but, is a non-fiction book i mean in, kind in of, a way, right? i'm, right? I mean, I'm like, also that's... the i'm the publisher so i don't have to please anybody yeah. but myself <laughs> <laughs> um that's true but I, I i would think when you're writing non-fiction the the great thing is that you can write a book proposal and a sample chapter and then boom, send it out. And when a publisher wants to, to buy it, they pay you to write it essentially. Um, that's kind of surprising to write a nonfiction book. I didn't really realize that until I got in the writing business. Uh, where, whereas with a novel, good luck, you got to finish it. You got, I guess if you're really famous and you already sold a lot of books and you, you know, you had a Netflix show made of your book, then somebody will pay you in advance to write a novel. But usually that's 99.999%. It's on spec and good luck. Um, you know, the, it's not a surprise, but it's just, it's really hard. It just takes, you have to do it every day. If <laughs> yeah. you don't do it every day, it doesn't happen. Yep. Like you have to do it every day. And also as far as fiction writing goes, I, I, you know, before I went back to math, get a master's degree, like at 30, right. I, I was, I was a grown up by then. I was, I had, I had real jobs. I had been writing a lot in my spare time. I thought I was a really good writer and if I look back at anything that I wrote in my twenties, it's humiliating. It's just, I wasn't there yet. I needed, you need pages on your odometer. The only way to get oh. good is just to write and write and write and write. And then realize, you know, a couple of years later, Oh, that thing I wrote back then stunk, you know, and you, then you learn a little, little more about your craft and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an everyday affliction. And honestly, if yeah. I could not do it, I probably would not do it. Oh, if you could go back and <laughs> tell yourself like, Hey, what, th Whoa, you know what I mean? Like maybe you shouldn't go down this path. You would do that kind of a thing. I don't think I had a choice. I think yeah, it was, yeah, it was never a choice. There was never a point of, I could have said to myself, Hey, look over here. Um, <laughs> pick up that hammer. You should be a carpenter. Like I, I, it was always there. It was always, uh, being a writer was there from like, I don't know, 11 years old or something. I didn't really have, I didn't have much of a choice. Like, again, it's, it's much more an affliction. It's much more a compulsion, I guess. Compulsion is the right word. You're compelled to do it. Um, I don't, I don't have the ability not to do it. Maybe someday, maybe I'll get this ridiculously long book out, out of me and everyone will say, great, great job. And then I'll be like, Oh, I got no more ideas. Let's not write anymore. And then I'll, yeah. then I'll have friends. Oh, <laughs> well, thank, thankfully we'll your friends, it, Chris. it didn't matter. Yeah. Exactly. Like we, well, you look really rocky, so that's not too far. I'm in Ohio. So that's not, you know, yeah, yeah. Midwest. 
But you know, there, there's a ton of internet friends, as I say. My wife's always like, "Is this one of those internet friends?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's one of my internet friends." Uh, it's not as weird as it sounds, but trust me, it's okay. Um, but no, I appreciate that. I know that writing is, like you said, it's a compulsion. I've got a couple of friends that write, and they're the same way. They're like, "I, I, I just need to get this out. Like, I, I just can't do anything else. Like, it's not like it's not a choice. It just sort of it's flowing through me in a way. So I, I totally respect that, and I think that that's probably the best way to put it. And I think that's where I think sometimes people think of it as like a job, like you chose this job, like you said, it's like, not necessarily, you know what I mean? Like, that's just sort Depends of where on I am. the kind of writing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I write some articles for fantasy pros and pro football. Now, that writing is entirely, that's a job. That's not the same. Like I don't have to, I don't have to talk about the 12 biggest busts and dynasty startups. <laughs> like that's not, it doesn't have to come through me. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like bursting at the seams. <laughs> To yeah. share this 800 word epilogue, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but yeah, it's entirely different, entirely different. But no, I appreciate that. So we are going to get into the find me a trade. I know you've got your Boston Celtics on tonight. I am not watching the game, so I will not spoil anything if you're watching later delayed. Um, but we want to get you out of here. So I do appreciate uh, your don't time. Worry about it. I'm okay. I'm fine. Okay. Well, I'm just not a lot of here. use on trades. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's fine. Sounds there, good to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess maybe before we get into trades and just in general, what is your theory when you receive a trade? Do you kind of just take your gut and go, sure, I'll take it. Or do you, you know, kind of simmer on it for a little while? Do you look at the rosters and see if you want to counter? Like wh when you receive a trade offer blind, what right. is your first reaction? How dare they? Uh, <laughs> no, How I, rude. I first, right. I, I think it's about um, need. It's so much about your mm. perception of need. And, the, and it's really <laughs> hard to make trades in May for the NFL because um, for us, for fantasy football, because we it, we just have the worst assessment of what our needs are right now. Yeah. Because three guys ACL is going to pop in in August, right? And four guys shoulders are going to come dislocated, and some quarterback is going to get suspended, and we're not you know, and then and then we're going to get into week two and realize, oh my god, the Jags are good, right, or whatever, some stupid <laughs> thing's going to happen. <laughs> Or the or like the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Like who would have ever thought the Bengals are? I know I'm. I didn't even think that honestly. Just, I didn't even. Do that. I'm pl I'm playing to the crowd, but like you know that. we're we're. I'm much more comfortable receiving that offer in week four of a season as opposed to right now. But if if it's just if like I have a dynasty team and I got a lot of receivers and every running bike I have is is an if is a question mark and I'm scared and whatever and somebody realizes it and and puts together an offer that that gets me to a place where I'm more balanced going into a season that's probably the thing I'm most I'm most likely to look at that offer and go okay time to dig in what do I think of the player that they're offering and how well do I feel about that person replacing my problems at that position? And then how do I feel about the surplus that they're presumably, you know, picking from to get a player? Makes total sense. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we like. That's why we like to find me a trade because it does look at some needs, right? We talk about that a lot where it's like in, in a vacuum, which of these two players would you have? Well, right. No league is ever in a vacuum, right? Like even no. rankings in my mind, rankings are kind of hard to do and hard. To, I mean, like it, it's so, it's, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? The whole process of ranking is so ridiculous to be like, oh, this person <laughs> is somehow better than this one. Not today. Thus, no, I changed. Yeah. Thus, flexual healing was born. <laughs> Correct. And that's why, why I love that segment. Ranks, Harris, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love that segment because it's like, here's kind of the range. And, and you're yeah, even yeah. saying it in that where it's like, this is kind of just about where I'm at. It's like, because there is no, there is no way to throw the running back in over this receiver. And I, something I say to people all the time, I used to do rankings. I stopped. Thank God I don't have to anymore. Um, nice. But when I was doing rankings, I would literally like, I would put them out and then immediately have an, a regret. I'd be like, well, oh, I yeah. should have put that oh, guy sure. over that guy. And it's just like, oh, sure. so I just was like, why am I even doing this? If I, if they're never <laughs> static, what am I doing here? 
And I know right. you do a great job on your site, like putting them out and updating them frequently. But I would find that like, I just, I got called out a couple of times. Like, oh, you like AJ Brown over DK Metcalf. What if I send you a trade? And I'm like, well, now I'm like, well, now that it's in my <laughs> face, I don't like that. You know what I mean? Like now that I'm seeing it and it's real. You know what I mean? Like, ah, so yeah, I, I hate things and all of that. But yeah. one other thing, just with this segment, I wanted to throw in there before we start oh, yeah. doing it is we, we do use this to kind of get into sometimes the, the players and their values. And things sure. like that. So, you know, you don't have strong feelings on the trade. Feel free to tell us what you think about. You yeah, know, I'll do my best. Any of these guys I'm just offering. Out there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just <laughs> offering all the caveats I can beforehand. That's no, perfect. You can be like the voice of, of our of our of Jeff. Right. Jeff is actually the one who donated his league, donated, uh, submitted his league uh, okay. so by Jeff Bukov. Worst fan ever on Twitter. Uh, he's actually this is a league that I'm in, which I don't I don't know if I think he follows me on Twitter. He tries to get some inside info from me, uh, but he submitted his trade. And it's a league that I just joined up to. We're both taking over orphans this year. It is a safe leagues best ball dynasty, which is one of my new favorite formats because no lineups. That sounds great because Sundays are just busy enough as it is. I don't need to be worrying about injuries. Just throw the best guy in there. Um, so, Rocky, if you want to go through the lineup or the, the requirements, I'll pull up the lineup and go through the uh, the roster. Sure. Like you said, you mentioned it's best ball. Um, it's 12 teams. Uh, it is uh, super 28 flex. active players. Yeah. Yes. 28 active players start 10. It's super flex. It's tight end premium 2.0 tight end premium and uh, a PPR for everyone else. Uh, you start the 10 QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, two flexes and the super flex. Uh, QB scoring is also six point TDs minus four interceptions. So um, I guess you want to get into the roster and then his little uh, write up and we'll, we can get to some trades. Well, yeah, I'll start with the write up. Cause I think it kind of fits in this. It's a recent orphan buy like mine. Like he just bought into this safe leagues. You know, Scott fish runs a ton of these. It's a really easy way to get into dynasty. If you're new or looking for leagues, um, none of them have folded. There's a ton of orphans available. I think they're all taken right now, but there's always waves of that. But he says it's probably a middle of the standings team, but it has Sammy Watkins, LOL. And I'm just, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I've been there. Um, But he drafted Traylon Burks at 106, Rashad White at 209, and Vilas Jones at 409. And there were a couple trades and things like that. But I think that kind of shows you where his mindset is as player evaluation, uh, which I think helps a lot in how we do this. But his roster, I agree with him. Uh, It is middle of the road in my book, but that's how orphans are in general. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been orphaned, right? Otherwise, he would just keep it. But quarterback, he's got Jacoby Brissett, Kyler Murray, and Aaron Rodgers in a super flex 12-team dynasty. That's not terrible, but a little light at QB. Giovanni Bernard, Kareem Hunt, Aaron Jones, Jarrett Patterson, Larry Roundtree, Boston Scott, Devin Singletary, Ramondre Stevenson, that Rashad White we mentioned, and Jamal Williams at running back. I mean, there are a couple names in there, like Aaron Jones, I guess, Kareem Hunt. I mean, some of those guys are starters, but again, kind of meh. Uh, receiver, we've got Nelson Aguilar. I know the fan, the, the Patriots fan, and you must love having Nelson Aguilar in your team. <laughs> uh, I know Rocky's happy to not have him on the Eagles. Uh, Robbie right. Anderson, we got Tyler Boyd, Traylon Burks, like I said, Mike Evans, KJ Hamler, Vilas Jones, Tyler Lockett, Devonta Smith, and that Sammy Watkins we talked about. And then rounding it out at tight end, his best tight end, of course, is George Kittle. After that, he got some scrubs like OJ Howard, Kylan Granson, Devi Asiasi, another Patriot, and CJ Uzama. So not the best team, but I feel like it, it has some pieces. It has some good bones that might be able to make something happen. So, Rocky, do you want to get into your trade first, and then I'll get into mine? Yeah, I'll get into mine. Uh, it is what I came up with. I was kind of – I agree with – like you, Andrew, I agree with the assessment of the team. It's a very kind of middle of the road. But I, I think it's a little more on the possible playoff team middle of the road. 
I, when I first looked at it, I actually thought, I mean, I wouldn't totally mind just standing pat with this team, but that's not what we do on the show. So um, we have to find a and, trade rack. Yeah. And just seeing, <laughs> just kind of seeing what happens this year. So, so because of that though, I tried to look for a move that would maybe help a little more in the long term, but I didn't think would kill them points wise in 2022. Uh, and what I settled on was uh, Aaron Jones, and I threw in a 23 third just to add another piece to make it look nice. Um, but I do, I, and I do think you might need to add a little bit to, to get, um, and, and Chris will love this because this is definitely maybe not playing more on this year, but for Rashad Bateman, uh, mm. I, I like Bateman a lot. I liked him coming out last year, and uh, I think he is going to, and I don't think his value has gone up super high in dynasty despite Brown leaving yet. I mean, it has, it has given him a boost in value, but I don't think, I think that production could give him an even bigger boost in value come 2023. Uh, but I do think he's going to have that production this year. The, the volume is not necessarily going to be what it was last year, but I think it may be higher than it was two years ago uh, for the Ravens. And so I, Again, I like getting Bateman. I think you don't lose a ton from Aaron Jones. I think Jones is actually going to have a nice 2022 um, just because I think they're going to have to throw to the running backs a lot. But uh, I still don't think you're necessarily getting killed points wise. It He is your best running back. But I the best ball format actually played into it a little for me, too. I want to pull up his roster just to remind me because there's guys here I think that can go off and get, not just like go off like huge weeks, but have startable week decent startable weeks like devin singletary i think will um, andre stevenson, think, andre right? stevenson like i think will kareem hunt i think is going to have games where he has like eight catches and, and a touchdown or two and but you're not going to know when they're going to happen so uh, i think he can get by with these running backs um i just if you need to you can maybe trade for another one later but i think he can get by with these guys and it, it adds a nice piece still allows him to compete this year and uh, he, he's pretty good everywhere else. He's got Kyler. He's got Rogers. Um, he's got Kittle. So you want me to weigh in as the judge? Sure. Yeah. What do you think? I think well, Chris doesn't a, like it from the faces he was I, making. I don't. If you want to compete this year, that's a that's a white flag sort of move to me because we don't know really. I mean, I, I suspect Bateman's pretty good. I thought he looked okay. You know, once he got his feet under him, obviously missed the beginning of the season and got hurt. But towards the end of the year, he started to look pretty good. Um, but he's he's much more of an unknown. And there are just so many receivers, man. Like, yeah, there's so many receivers. Is he Jamar Chase? Is he really going to be the difference maker? You know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Feels to me like if you're trading for one of those guys, a potential for one of the. Now, if you think, I mean, Bateman clearly hasn't been that yet. If if your mm-hmm. assessment of Bateman is that, yeah, well, he it was his first year. He has Lamar Jackson as quarterback for now. He had Marquise Brown there. He was hurt to start it. He was getting his legs under him basically the whole night. And I do think he's that he's an end of the first round NFL draft pick who can be Justin Jefferson. Then I think that then that trade is okay, but it's more of a future type trade because I don't think we think he's going to be Jefferson this year. Um, If you think Bateman is like, yeah, maybe someday he's like wide receiver 14, then I just think wide receiver 14 just isn't that hard to find. I totally see where you're coming from with the offer. Like what you're looking for is Aaron Jones's usable window feels like it's shrinking. Yes. And Aaron Jones is like this and Bateman is like this. And And he's had a lot of tread taken off his tires. Yeah. And for me, it's also sort of kind of more of a a sort of straddle the fence type idea to me where I think, yeah, yeah, like that. Cause I don't think like, we were saying, I think it is sort of middling. I think you get in the playoffs, anything can happen, but it's not a team I want to go all in on and, you know, trade a young guy for, you know, 
Dalvin Cook right. or Leonard Fournette or something like that. So it was sort of a straddling the fence idea where you get you get out on Jones maybe a year early, um, maybe and maybe not. Yeah. Like maybe perfectly, maybe you're getting it on yeah, Jones exactly. exactly at the right time. It's yeah. you're right. It's not. It's it's a it's definitely a non-zero possibility. And and yeah, so I was kind of trying to straddle the fence of you can still maybe make the playoffs with this team and hope you get lucky, and then Bateman maybe you, you know like you said it's a future move for twenty three and beyond. Uh, I where wish you really. I, I wish- Right, I wish it was just a notch higher young receiver. Yeah, just a, not in a in a much in a slightly. And, and I, part of the reason I, 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 I targeted, yeah, I targeted this BK uh, Joe team because he uh, he had he had a lot of receivers and he's not great at running back. So I, I had trouble finding a, a great match elsewhere. So that was part of it too. Uh, I think his best running backs are like Connor and Cordero Patterson. So he, yeah. he's, he's a he's little got light James there. Cook, we talked about, yeah. we got Ronald Jones, that's right, Isaiah James Pacheco. Like that. he's got a lot of those like light, like late round flyer kind of guys, but no, like other than Cordero, who again, who knows what his year is going to look like. And, right. and James Connor is made of glass. And so we never know when he's going to get injured. So like, I, I, again, going to mention that like that this BK Joe team does kind of need a solid running back option. Even in best ball, you kind of want to have something you can let, you know, kind and of put in clearly, there and not worry about. He clearly didn't mind. I remember seeing. I let me. I think I have the roster. Didn't mind rostering a lot, a decent amount of older guys. He has. He's got Brady. He's got Gronkowski. Uh, he said Connor. He's got yeah. Gronk. He's got yeah. So. Isn't Aaron Jones twenty six? Yes, and and it's old in quotes because we're all uh, older yeah. than all of these people. Which is well, so but funny. also that's yeah. not that's not even that old for a running Correct. back. Like Correct. you know, but yeah. but a, but AJ Dillon's there and it matters. And yep. he's and he's an old twenty six for the NFL. He's he's having the crap beaten out of him. No question about it. Yes, oh, I yeah. just think and it's it, funny. Like in, oh, he in, loves in old guys. Dynasty, Look at him Aaron Jones. Yeah, in the dynasty world, twenty six <laughs> is ancient for running back. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, quote unquote. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll pivot into mine because mine is also an Aaron Jones trade. And like I said, I'm oh, in wow. this league. So I'd be remiss if I didn't try to find a trade between me and this guy. Like, why not? <laughs> you know, like, let's actually do it. Like, this is an offer there's, I'm sending. There's no conflict of interest in this content. No, just, but at yeah, the same time, we like. We usually I'm, don't use our own leagues, but the correct. guy sent it in. And yeah. So. But again, it's like we're both orphans. So it's not like there's a long history. Like, both of right. us are brand new to this league. So it's like, well, why not? Let's see what I can do. This is what I would. This is what I'm going to offer after the show. I'm going to send this. I'll probably decline it because that's how things go. But I'm just, this is where my head's at. Um, so I would say Aaron Jones and a 23 first to, for my Antonio Gibson and a 23 second. So you're trading back next year to kind of get up to the younger Antonio Gibson. I know there's some risk around him, but again, Aaron Jones and a 23 first for Antonio Gibson and a 23 second. What do you think, Chris? Is that way off? So the person who's giving up Jones is also giving a first? No. Correct. You no. think Jones is more than Gibson? I do. Okay, I think Gibson is more than Jones. Okay, well and that's where the luck. difference comes. Well, that's what I mean. Like <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like there, are, we see this all the time. We talked about it sure. last week. There are trades like this that get done, and you're like, not in my league. And then you're like, wait a minute, why don't I try that in my league? Like, I, why, yeah. maybe that is in my league. You know what I mean? Like, so well, I don't know I, if I, I agree with it entirely, but I was like, let me see what people think about this. And I don't like, know if you're aware, Chris, in, in in the Dynasty Twitter community, podcast community, the the. 23 first are considered gold. They're gold. So gold that, that class everyone already knows right. is supposed to be jam-packed <sighs> full of like superstars. It basically through apparently but from the way you hear on Twitter, <laughs> through like two rounds, everyone's awesome. Yeah. But right. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, so I, I if I'm just flat out comparing, if I'm doing startup dynasty ranks right now, Aaron Jones is ahead of Antonio Gibson for me. They're not they're then did Gibson how old is Gibson? 24? I mm. think so, yeah. Like I don't think the age difference is big enough to worry about. And one player's like really good. And the other one just got another running back drafted to his team because 
let's face it. I mean, you know, you, you heard, you've heard me talk about it on my show a lot. Like Gibson came in as a wide receiver that we didn't know if he had running back instincts at all. It turned out he did. They were actually really pretty good. And his rookie year was really exciting. And then last year he, I mean, I think the reason they kept the, uh, McKissick and drafted Haskins is because, or Robinson, sorry, they drafted uh, Brian Robinson is because, um, Gibson just made so many mistakes, just yeah. wasn't reliable, like mental mistakes, just stupid fumbles, weird drops, missed assignments. I think I very clearly, I mean, I know they kept saying he's hurt. I clearly thought he got benched at one point last year from having watched the game and see the fans booing him off the field. Essentially. <laughs> I think there's real concern that maybe Gibson isn't all that anymore. I, I, I would pretty, I would have Gibson and Jones pretty far apart. I think in my, redraft i mean in my well, dynasty ranks just for the sake of argument i mean this sure. is where we are with this right like i'm yeah. looking at dlf dynasty rankings and this is an adp this is rankings and an adp is a whole different beast that we're not going to get into because who knows how accurate that really is and all that right but rankings world they've got antonio gibson is 32nd overall at rb 16 and again this is in one qb so i mean again 32nd overall is a little bit whatever but like rb 16 yeah relative they've got, matters yeah. right and then they've got aaron jones at rb 19 at 47th overall so they got yeah. him like a full They're round wrong. difference. So, well, I mean, that's fine. entirely that's, possible, right? That's entirely, just, like that's right. I my opinion in this particular case is is that that's a case where somebody's getting um, too excited about an age difference. That you check me. I, I while we're do while we're talking, check me. I, so did. I, I think it's, he turns twenty four in June. 24. Yeah, so yeah twenty four in June for Gibson. Yeah, and Jones so, is twenty seven. Yeah, Jones is twenty seven now. Three years. Yeah. Okay, so three year difference. So I I just. Is is in the question I ask myself in a case like this, is Antonio Gibson gonna be the Washington starting running back in three years when Aaron Jones is definitely no longer when he's Devontae Freeman falling off a cliff? And if I can say yes, then I go, okay, that matters for Dynasty. And if I say no, I go, what does it matter? And what's the difference? Yep. And I, I completely and, I mean, agree. I, so like if you had said uh you're giving up the first and he's giving up the second, I would have been like, Okay, I get that. I get that one guy is give is taking the downgrade, but you but yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I do think a lot of people in Dynasty do value Gibson higher because of the age okay. difference. But yeah, uh, I, I, I kind of agree yeah. with you, Chris, that I, I don't know that I would do this. Uh, I, I don't know if I would do this for this team, even if I valued Gibson higher, just because I'd probably I, I think I mentioned this in my little description of my trade. I don't remember, but uh, I kind of want to hold on to his 23 first. Uh, right. I would rather hold on to that pick because I'm not sure what how good this team is. Uh, I'd rather, even though you're only downgrading it to a second, I I think I'd rather hold on to that first. Well, and I think I, like I said, I'm pretty straddling do. the fence. So yeah, I don't I don't think this trade goes through. I'll put it out there. Like I put this on the sheet, and then I was like, no, there's no way he sends that. Like there's no way you would send your first. Like it just it's not that big enough of an upgrade. But at the same time, like looking at the values and everything, like it kind of balances out. And I was like, this is the kind of trade I would send where it's not a crappy trade. It's got some logic behind it. It makes some sense based on some numbers. But I could totally see the other guy going, you're missing a piece. You know what I mean? Like there, there's something yeah. you're, you're not. Well, no, this isn't how I value players at all. Who are the wide receivers on your team in this orphan league? I can pull that up actually here. Hang on, because I've got it right here. So uh, this again, I, I just took this over. I've done a couple of trades in it, but the wide receivers on my team are Jamar Chase is my boy. Tyreek okay. Hill, uh, Alec Pierce, I drafted Robert Woods, LaVisca Chenault. KJ Osborne, yeah, there's Antonio Gandy Golden, yeah, <laughs> Tommy Brown, like it gets off the cliff. Just guys right? after that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like three or four, and then, yeah. Well, then 
obviously you should send him Tyreek Hill for Aaron Jones straight up and we'll walk away. It's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep Tyreek at that. But no, I, and this is, again, this is why I bring this up because this is the kind of trade I would send. And I wanted to kind of defend myself from last week a little bit. I feel like this is the kind of trade I would send where like, it makes sense, but maybe not to everybody. And I think this is where I think it gets a little bit messy. Like it makes sense. I can show the logic behind it, but it might be way off. Right. And everybody okay. has their own valuations and I'm fine with that. I'm not going to get offended if he disagrees. Like that's fine. Right. Uh, right. The fact that we have different valuations is the whole reason this game is exciting and fun. If we all agreed on one valuation for everything, trades wouldn't happen. You wouldn't have right. anybody going, oh, I value him more. It would be like, no, we all value him the same. What's the point? So let's say I'm this guy and mm-hmm. I say, okay, I'm interested in Gibson, but I want your first and you can have my second. Would you do? Would you say yes? No, I wouldn't say yes. Okay. But no, I, I don't mind the counter. I'm not going to be rude about it. I'm just like, no, no, I, I understand you value it differently, and I get your logic. You make a very compelling case. Um, okay, I mean, so like, if, what if, if I said, what if I said Gibson for Jones straight up? I would want more on top of Jones to to send Gibson. And okay. I mean, this is again, it, it comes comes around to some sort of a of a philosophy of trading in a way. And I don't know how much we want to get into that. But my logic is almost always like I want to try to get a little bit extra on something. And I don't. I think they're probably in the same tier. I mean, even on ranking, 16 and 19 is like nothing difference. I mean, they're pretty much right in that same group, you know, like that's, a, that's still pretty much in the same tier. So, I mean, even then, like it's, I think you've said this on your show before. It's like, well, if I'm just trading one player for one player in the same tier, why am I doing that? Right. right? Like there's gotta be a little sweetener somewhere to make it worth our time. Um, well, if not, I value them as different tiers, that's different, but you know, right. but it, this is the case where you, it's you that the guy's trading with. So right. you're, <laughs> you're trying to find the edge for you and not for him. Exactly. <laughs> <It's> maybe, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, it's not great I, I advice. Also, is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm also looking, and that's why we don't usually use our own leagues, but I thought if anything, this was a funny one with you on, especially, but I was like, I might as well do it. Like I, you know, I'm going to be on the show. I might as well do this one. This could be kind of interesting. Um, yeah. well, I, the think other the thing- ba- I think the Bateman trade is, is like, there's a, there's a, that one to me feels much more even because there's a scenario I can paint myself where Bateman turns into what his biggest boosters say. I mean, his biggest boosters think that he landed in a crummy, you know, not accurate throwing quarterback situation, but that one way or another may resolve itself. And, or, you know, he just sort of his awesomeness, like just sort of takes off. And I get a, I get a true wide receiver one for his entire, you know, for like seven, you know, usable years of of fantasy. And it's, and it's amazing. I just don't know that I feel the same way about Gibson. I just feel yeah, like I don't that's blame my you. thing too with you. that trade is Gibson. I just uh, you know yeah for I get an guys, RB two like, forever. Yeah, you know? yeah, they brought McKissick back and drafting Brian Robinson is just right. a scare in the third round, no less. Right, but AJ Dillon is sitting right there for Aaron Jones. Like we already know the guy who's. I mean, like it's the same. Sure, but I mean, but Aaron Jones is the pass catcher. Is more of the pass catcher. and just has a history of being very very. Is it Antonio yeah, Gibson like, a pass catcher? Like I, I mean, they're all the same running back in a way, right? Not with very much not the same there. <laughs> okay, they've got a new QB now, right? They had Heineke and Fitzpatrick. Like, they didn't have guys that were actually, in my opinion, good QBs that know what no. they're up to. But again, it's like, it, that's what makes this all speculative, right? Like, that's sure. what makes this so much fun to do in, in May. I mean, we're, we're sitting here in May on a random Thursday night talking about football. This is all I want. Like, this is my dream, <laughs> right? Um, I would feel remiss if I didn't bring up Scott's trade because he did submit one, even though he wasn't going to be, he wasn't able to make the show. I'm okay. very curious about yours, Chris, and he's not here to defend himself. So this could be very quick, but okay. <laughs> he was saying to send Kyler Murray to cream team for Jalen Hurts, Davis Mills and Cole Komet to get Kyler off your team for those three pieces in best ball. And his logic, of oh, course, wow. is there's no transactions during the season. Best ball, you want more shots. Kyler for Hurts, Mills and Komet. What do you think? I would say, what are you doing that for? <laughs> you would rather keep Kyler, right? Of course. Wouldn't you? 
I don't think really that's really even. A I mean, question. I guess it it depends. This this team is already over the roster limit, so he's going to have to make some cuts anyway. If you There's had plenty like, of guys cuttable... there, we can cut. Right, exactly. <laughs> I agree. We're good. I, I yeah. agree. I'm saying like if you if you were under the roster limit or something and needed to add some players, I wouldn't be against it all the way. But I don't like this all the way. Like I, I would probably rather no. keep Murray. What do you uh, think? Yeah, I, I would. I, I even with me not generally. Uh, you know, I don't like to pay for elite quarterbacks, even in superflex. Um, I would totally give this for Kyler Murray. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think it's a That's great exactly trade for right. our guy. Yeah, I, no. and I do like Hertz, uh, and I think he's going to be. The, a lot of people think he may not be the starter after this year. I do think, even if he's not the Eagle starter, he will be a starter the, after this year. So I'm not. Uh, as if he if he flops in if he flops in Philly, I'm not sure he gets another chance. There's a lot of anti hurts well and they've they've feeling. also though done everything possible to make it they have so that, yeah so that he around especially so we'll yeah, maybe, yeah but so. there still is a whatever i'm going to go back to there's still an x percent chance that he just can't overcome the problems that we oh, are just very exactly. clear of okay. in terms of accuracy yeah. and, arm, and arm strength and kind of play in play sense that he just can't be ever be the guy and I don't have to worry about that with Kyler. I just, especially in a super right. And I'm with no you on that. I, I like, that's what I was trying to say. I like Hertz uh, maybe more than, than, than a lot of people, but I mean, adding Even Mills still. and Komet does not do enough. It doesn't do enough. To, yeah. yeah. Nope. I like the thought of it, but I don't, I no. I'd rather keep Kyler. I think it, especially in a best ball where like, you don't have to, you don't have to set a lineup. I'd want to have the best possible players. And then if I get injured, oh, well, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing you can do to prevent it anyway. But Isn't Rogers and possible. Murray. Yeah, isn't Rogers and Murray the thing we like best about a Superflex team, right? That yeah. that Superflex yeah. team, we're yeah. we're kind of trying to fall in love with the rest of it and trying to convince. Oh, you're right. adding some yeah. depth, but I don't know if I want depth on a team like no. this. Like you know, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm kind of with you. And again, Scott's not here to defend himself, so we're gonna blame it on him. Well, we can totally rip his trade. Yeah, horrible. horrible. <laughs> well, shouldn't he be trading trade trade Rogers? Right. That's what He's I was actually gonna offer. Is like my other option was to trade Rogers to another team other than mine to make it fair. But where's the fun in that? Like, come on. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that pretty much wraps up our final me a trade i really appreciate that chris i know there are sure. some different ways that you can kind of wander through the path of trades i think there's some very valuable information in there and there is no right or wrong way i know we say this all the time too as long as you're having fun as long as you're doing it right and making your team better you know don't worry about if you get a, a poll on twitter that somebody thinks it blows you up and they think you did a bad job who cares <laughs> you know what i mean like i i was I, again last i know you talked about this on trade addicts last week too rocky where i was making some bad trades last week i was just you know sitting there bored and i'm like Sending trade offers to my buddy Bobby Koch, who we were talking about, and he's like, Andrew, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, just having fun. You know what I mean? Like, I just who cares? It doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we, we liked one of your trades, though. We oh, I know you did, but now. for yeah. the most part, you guys are ripping me a new one, which was entirely <laughs> fair, but I didn't care. I'm like, go for it, man. Like, if you're not having fun, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, this this is meant to also, be. Also, we don't know. Life. We pretend that we know and yes. we don't know. I mean, that's a whole other Especially yeah. if you're if you're in evaluating trades in terms of uh, and I sort of am doing this as you guys were were, were presenting your potential trades. I was poo pooing sometimes because I was like, "That's too." I don't think Bateman is going to be that guy, right? But like, yep. if if you're only assembling a trade to minimize risk, you're missing out on one aspect of trading. So some of those trades that you made that looked like they were too last week that that looked like they were. What are you taking on that amount of risk for? Well, if all the risks yeah. pay out, you probably just generate a lot more upside than you had before. I love the way you put that because that's exactly what I said to Bobby too. After I'm doing this for fun, I was like, "This this roster I have is so boring. I need upside. Like, I need to get something flashy in here. I need to kick it up. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get some bam. Let's just like let's just move around a little. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the off season when it's like for the non point scoring season where it's like there's nothing happening. Like, it's all speculation town. Like, we're all just hearing noise and no signal. Like, we might as well just do what we can. 
OTAs and training camps are about to open up. Like that's going to give us blurbs and all of those coach speak. I know you hate that stuff, Chris. I'm with you. <laughs> like they're going to be hyping up everybody. Like, oh, everybody's the best in sliced bread. And that's the know, best advice you can give anybody on one of these shows, which is the moment some dumb dumb starts hyping a player that you know stinks, make sure you trade them. Get something great for them. <laughs> send everything you can. Send all the offers, spam your league, right? That's yeah. exactly right. And, and I think I too, if I was just going to say, I just wanted to second with Chris. I think that was a great point. That a lot of trading is, is, is basically is risk tolerance. It's mm -hmm. that, that is so much of what trading is about. And, and right. certain people, players are risk averse. Certain guys just want that ceiling. And that, that, that's kind of what makes these things happen. Well, and again, if you have a team full of floor players in best ball, especially, I want more ceiling. You know, and like, give me yeah. all the, give me all the high options I can get. You know what I mean? Like Kyler is a guy I would love to target. You know, the players like that, where it's like their ceiling is QB one. Like you don't get a lot of QB one ceiling players. There might be five or six of them in a given week. You know what I mean? Like I want that guy on my roster, you know, yeah. depth is nice, but I like depth in leagues where I have to set a lineup or I'm worried about injuries and I don't know what's going to happen in basketball where there's no transactions. Give me the studs all the way. Like give me the, like Jamar chase, give me Jamar chase, Tyree kill. Like give me these players that are like boomer bust. Cause it's like, if they, if they bust, I got someone else going in that spot anyway. You know what I mean? Like it's best ball. If, they, if, if Jamar chase gets three catches for 60 yards and some, and, when Alec Pierce goes off for 95 and two touchdowns, well, okay, I started Alec Pierce. I would never start Alec Pierce over Jamar Chase in a normal mm -hmm. league. That makes zero sense. I'd be laughed out of the industry, you know. But in best ball, I can get away with that because it's best ball. So, like, give me all the studs, right? That's where my head goes to. And I'm glad that we got to get into a best ball. We don't do a lot of those, so I love every every week we try a different kind of format. We we tried IDP once. That was a was a rough week. Uh, we're, we're not, we are not IDP guys. So we were like, well, let's ne trade some never trade players. for defensive players. Next. Yeah, like, yeah. Awkward. Uh, that was a bad decision. But anyway, I uh, really appreciate your advice and input on that, Chris. That was great. Sure. Obviously, where can people find you? I know that we've all heard of you and, and I'd be shocked if our listeners haven't, but where can they find you on the Twitter machine? At Harris football or www.harrisfootball.com. It's all there. Yeah. And you have your own, obviously the Harris football podcast. You're doing podcasts all the time, except for right now. You're, you're right in now. your break. We appreciate you taking time away from your your manse up there in Boston to uh, <laughs> get away from your your writing of the book uh, yeah. to let us let us bend your ear a little bit on some football talks. I really appreciate that. I know we I listen to you all the time and I really well, appreciate thanks. you coming on. So I, I, we we gave you enough pomp at the beginning. We don't need to get over it now. But uh, other than that, obviously we are part of the DAP Network, the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, or the DAP Network, if you will, as Russ has us say. You can find us on that at DAP underscore network on Twitter. The Dynasty Junkies are at Dynasty Junkies on Twitter. I'm at Andrew Hall FF on Twitter. We got Rocky at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter. Uh, Scott Sidlow, who is not here, at Scott underscore Sidlow on Twitter. Uh, Bobby Koch, our new host, is at Wrecked Fantasy. Or I was just going to say, yeah, R-E-K-E-D Fantasy. That's right. But, uh, yep. I think we might have to stop giving the Twitter handles for the two hosts that aren't on because... Yeah, because uh, it just gets to be too, too many much. now. Like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, definitely subscribe, rate, review. Uh, follow us on, on YouTube at the Dap Network. And uh, we'll be going live on this most Thursdays. Obviously, we got the timeline. we got Trade Addicts and all things like that. Subscribe though and, and give us a, a rating, obviously. But then you can also submit your team for Find Me a Trade, like we just did here for Jeff, right? We've got a link on our Twitter page. You can go to our link tree and find it through there where you can submit the info for your team. We can put it on the show. Um, you never know, you might get somebody, you know, really ragging your team, but you might get somebody going, This is a terrific team. Well done. Uh, so if you really want to put your medal to the test, that's where we do it. Um, but definitely, other than that, really appreciate you coming on, Chris. I'll send it to you last time, Rocky, to gotta get us out of here. Okay, just uh, before I sign us off here, uh, just one quick reminder, just follow, you know, uh, Andrew gave the Twitter handle, make sure you're following the Dynasty Junkies uh, for to look for that SFB spot. But uh, right. again, want to thank Chris, 
Uh, thank all the people in the chat. We had Josh, uh, Real Fantasy TL, as, as Chris mentioned, Ren Piper, uh, Jerry Bagshaw, who was here early. He just said hello, but he's actually the guy who won the SFB 12. So we did the same thing last year and he won it. So nice. I think, uh, nice to see him in here. Uh, the chat was great. And uh, so with that, I guess I'll finish it up. Junkies out. <laughs>